Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. So sometimes I'm like, is our podcast even any good? And, and then, every time I'm like, yep. Well, I, I just, well, I, listen I just to our have intro to listen to an episode and then I. Yeah. So, so for me, I listen to the intro music. My head gets bobbing again. If you don't like hip hop, I'm sorry. I really am, but I just love it. And I bob and I'm like, no, this is good. What we're doing here. Yeah. This is good. I'm glad we bought that. Um, non-licensed yeah. hip-hop beat from some dude in Russia. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was cool. We were sitting in the car and we're like, we should just email that guy and see if he'll sell yeah. it to us. Yeah. That Tried to fun. talk him down. We're like, we're non-profit. <laughs> we sell it to us for less. He did, by the way. He did. He, he came down. <laughs> yes. We should email. Be like, here's our podcast. He should follow us. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. So um, this is another one of those, you know. So I ha- I'm going to be honest. I'm going to do a little uh, honesty about me. I hate not being in control. Shocker. Um, And so one thing we have not done for a long time is uh, just invite people publicly. Hey, if you have a recovery story, come share it with us. Cause I'm like, I want to know you. I know you're legit and I can smell a good recovery story from a mile away. So I'm going to vet it out. Cause I know what's going on. Me, me, me. Um, Kurt Franken's getting in my ear. Shout out Kurt Franken, leading saints. And he's like, dude, some of my best content comes from just people like allow God to be in this work with you. So I bring it to all of you guys and you're like, well, yeah, dude, we should do that. Six months goes by. I'm a little stubborn. And then we decide to do that. So worth it. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. So I get an email from uh, Karen and Christian She's like, hey, we have a recovery story. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I guess we got to do it this way now. Okay, God, I'm listening. So I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to him first. Make sure we're good. So we talk on the phone. And before that call, I really was like, all right, God, I'll surrender this. So as long as these guys don't sound like freaking total weirdos, like I will put it in your hands. So I didn't ask him all the details about their story. I wasn't like, how sober are you? Have you done therapy? Have you done this? What's that? Are you really Christian? Da, da, da. Like, I didn't ask any of that. I was just like, look, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. So are you sure you're with God and you're ready? And does this work for you? They were like, yes. I was like, okay, let's schedule it. And we did. And we did. Another banger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some good heartfelt feelings in here. Um, man, I love um, some of the phrasing that Christian uses. Like, he talks about fighting like a lion. I'm like, oh, uh, hits me in the soul. Uh, I'm like, yeah. That CT who does all of our writing, yeah. uh, his, uh, his other name is Lionheart, if you don't know. Inside... In hot secret on CT yeah. inside on the team, but uh, and I loved um, so early in the process, still early in the recovery mm-hmm. process. But dude, there was some honesty. Oh yeah, 
like just honest about what's really happened, where they're really at. And um, particularly as we got into the bonus content, I feel like I maybe asked some probing questions, some like, yep. well, but really tell me how you feel about that. And we did in the episode too. And man, just, just honesty. Right. And a, and a big story too, right. Definitely oh, yeah. some stuff we could brush over, kind of minimize and, and not just from Christian, from Karen too. Right. Talking. I mean, she was so transparent about how denial, how much denial yeah, she was just in. really conflict avoidant, didn't want to, and how that led into, you know, her being kind of, you know, a doormat. She, a do- again, good yes. phrasing. Yeah. She was like, yep, yeah, I used to just be a doormat and let right. this happen. Made it me. easy for him to manipulate and, yeah. and continue to stay in his addiction. No boundaries, it sounded like. And so, you know, and then going over the boundaries in the bonus content, like we got some good stuff for for our listeners today. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I always tell people when they come on and share, I say, hey, your story is going to be that story for someone. So Chris and Autumn, which obviously I've hyped on all the time, like that was that story for me. I heard that week one in recovery when I did this intensive therapy, intensive at Lifestar, I heard that story and it changed me. It gave me that hope. And so I know we say every story is like the best one. Um, This is another best one. (laughs) And, um, and the way they shared and the way that they are uh, interesting, not therapy people. Not a therapy no. background. We get no. a lot of therapy people on her, no therapy, um, and really doing some cool things, some really cool things in God. So uh, worth the listen. Absolutely. And if you want to get in on the bonus content, unashamedandafraid.com slash donate. And what do we do with those donations, Mr. Will Height? Those donations go to helping provide therapy for people who would not be able to afford it otherwise. So if you're, for example, if you're here in, in Utah, um, we you, you may be able to attend a phase one on one of those um, scholarships yeah. or yep. group therapy yep. or perhaps um, if therapy is not your thing. We could sponsor you going to one of the retreats that we would, you know, recommend we will, you go to. Which we have scholarships for yep. currently. Yep. So we have some for the Wild at Heart retreat. Um, for the men's retreat, we have some for the Heart of a Woman retreat. Um, and so just depending on where you're at and what you need, that's what those funds go toward. Yep. So super cool. We did not know these guys at all prior to sitting down and recording this. So um, totally cool just how they go about and doing Mm -hmm. it. And, and that it grows to a bigger invitation. If you have a recovery story, uh, Karen shares in the bonus. She said, I said, why now? Why share now? And she said, we heard you say in January, if you have a recovery story, share. And God touched me and said, that's you. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. And so, and and touch Christian too. And they, and they came to that. So if God's touching you right now, send us an email, send one to James, James, unashamedandafraid.com. If you want to share your story with us, if you got anonymous questions, submit them at the website. And if you want to donate or your resource that we should be donating to, um, let us know. So contact us as well. Give us five stars on iTunes. If you enjoy this content, share with a friend. And with that, we can get in the studio with Casey, as I call them, Karen and Christian. Now, when I tell you, James, that um, you're in KC, you might be thinking of the Super Bowl champs. 
I was thinking that. Not that I'm not down with my boy Mahomes, but we are actually with some even better true champions, I would say, beyond just sport, but of life. Mm-hmm. Karen and Christian, how Case. are you guys doing? KC. I see what you did there. You see that? Right? Yeah. You see okay. that? Yeah. See that? My dad would be so proud. <laughs> There's a Very bunch well. of people who Very are well like, well, I'm not listening to this now <laughs> based on this guy. So, Christian, how are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm good. Good. You you are great. Um, just feeling the vibes already with you guys sitting in here. So, and then freaking Christian was like already crying. We pray before we record every episode. Like he started crying. I'm like, bro, we haven't even got started, man. Like I'm already, we're already feeling it. We haven't hit record. Yeah. Wait till we hit record. Karen, how are you? I'm good. Good. Very good. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here with us. And, um, we talked about this before, James, kind of front end, but so we're going to do this a little bit differently than we have in the past. Karen listens to every episode, so you know the drill, right? We know how this goes. So we're going to start kind of in the middle as opposed to starting in the beginning of your story. So tell us at the height of addiction, Christian, where were you at? The height of addiction, I was, I was wrapped up in a selfish turmoil of, of pornography um, chatting with other women. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just all over the place. I was, I was seeing people. I was, I was, I was chatting. I was doing everything I could to feed that, that addiction. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was hell. Seeing people like affairs, yeah, or, okay, yeah, there, yeah, there was there was some extramarital affairs I had, and uh, that was pretty much the height of it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just it was just over a long period of time, probably about thirty years, yeah, of of looking at pornography, yeah, and it started with pornography. That's where it all started. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first to admit that 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 was my downfall when I when I indulged in that day after day after day that I, I felt like there was no way out that I needed, that I needed that, that addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, as you describe like hell, like, like he put that in one word, because a lot of people think, Oh, addiction. Like if no one knows about it, I have my cake and eat it too. I'm getting away with it, which isn't really accurate. But the question I want to ask you, Christian is how did you get there? Extramarital affairs, right? You said pornography was kind of the path in like, Mm-hmm. How, how did it happen? You know, just being a young kid, curious, you know, you uh, hang out with like some, some neighbor kids that weren't, didn't hold the same values that you did. And, you know, their parents were very free with that stuff, with mm-hmm. pornography. And, you know, I was able to look at it every time I quote unquote went over and, you know, just walked with my friends home from school you know, we were able to spend some time at my, at my buddy's house mm-hmm. and, you know, his dad just had him laying around basically. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't think that pornography was a big deal. I, I, I was like there for a while. I was a casual looker, you know, not every day, but, you know, I would, I would do it. And, you know, I didn't think I had a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew how to control it. I knew how to keep it a secret. I knew, um, you know, 
there again, I was like, you know, thinking that I was the only one that ever had a problem or, you know, that, you know, that, you know, if nobody knows about this, you know, you know, I guess, you know, I'm not hurting. I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So So like raised Christian. Yes. LDS. Okay. Raised LDS. So Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Correct. If you're missing on that one. So like, I'm sure family church, this was like a, you don't do that. Yes. So how did that relationship go? I knew how to, you know, like over the years, I, I, I guess I knew how to kind of put the guilt aside, you know, that I, that I was just so good at, you know, manipulating my feelings and that I, I would just drown them with more addiction, you know, mm-hmm. like looking at more pornography and, mm-hmm. and just being able to kind of push the guilt aside, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I would, so I would, I want to know a little bit about what you, what your relationship with, with God was like. Um, In those formidable years. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, if you want to, if you want a timeline, you know, I was, you know, I received the priesthood when I was old enough to do so at twelve, right? Um, but none of those things really indicate a relationship with God. So, just really, what was your relationship with God like? Not very well. You know, I would, I would, uh, I would pray occasionally. I, I would never read my scriptures. I, honestly, I don't think I ever read the Book of Mormon all the way through in my adolescence. And did you end up serving a mission? I did. Where'd you go? Guatemala. Okay, so um, that's a big. A lot of times, people feel like they find God in that experience. It's one of the primary purposes. Did you? Did you find God there? Like, was that was that a testimony builder to use the? It was actually a very. Oh. I find that that was a great time, of like you know, learning about the gospel. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, it was hard. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there was a time where I was able to find God Mm. and it was on my mission and, you know, and that, and that's helped my, my testimony greatly, but it was just, it was just during those times, it was just hard for me to let go of that addiction and let God in. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, yeah. I mean, there really wasn't a time where I was like, for the sake of, you know, sure. I truly converted. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that's a good way to say that. You know, yeah. I, I really wasn't truly converted. I was, I was only good on Sundays, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Totally. So who, so if I could grab you at 21, 22, right? You're fresh off, fresh Mm-mm. off the boat. He's on the mission. He went in I went later. One. You went at 21. I, yeah. Okay. So fast forward me to 23 <laughs> and a half, wherever post mission, that's what I'm getting at. Right. So post mission, if I pulled you aside and I said, okay, total honesty here, who is God? Like as a per, like, who is he? Describe him to me. Not he, he's the rule of the universe. He's this atonement judgment, like as a person, like you describe a friend. You know, oh, have you met Joe? Oh, yeah. Who's Joe? What's Joe like? Joe's like, like God at that moment in your life, God was like what? Occasionally there for me, but I knew he was always there. But I mean, he was just, it's so hard to explain, but it's, it's like, I didn't want to let go of that, of that pornography addiction. 
And so I didn't want to let him in. And it was hard for me to, to open up to him. You know, I just felt like he was never there, you know, because it, it, (laughs) I I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, it was hard to find God because I was so caught up in everything bad that I was doing. There would be moments of like, there, there would be times of like sobriety, Mm -hmm. maybe even a, a, a year or two of sobriety, but it would always revert back to all right, I need a fix. Yeah. I need mm-hmm. a fix. And I pushed God aside. So, and it was my own fault. Yeah. I pushed the one person aside that could help me. Hmm. Hmm. So when, when in your life, like we talked height of addiction, but when did you start to realize, like, I think I might have a problem. <sighs> I would say that I didn't think I had a problem until about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had, I would just, you know, get immersed so much in, in the pornography that I didn't want to let it go. And I was just, just feeding that addiction constantly. And, and, and it actually increased more maybe the last five, six years. Mm-hmm that I just couldn't get enough. And, you know, and I was, I was doing, I was seeing people. I was, you know, chatting with people. I was doing a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have all because I needed that fix. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you two meet? Fill that part of the story in for us. Am I telling it? Um, you tell it. We've been, you've been sitting there so quiet. She's just been just been holding his hand, supporting him, and kind of sharing some of this stuff. Heavy stuff, too, right? Sharing that's his right. heart. Um, so, speaking of fresh off the mission, that's when we met. Like, he got home in July, and we met that November. Um, it's really random. We were both at a movie theater, and he saw my hair, the back of my head. In the lobby, thought it was pretty. (laughs) (laughs) He started talking to me and uh, I gave him my pager number. I mean, it's 99. So, you know, and uh, (laughs) and he we he paged me the next day. We call he um, and um, we went out and that's like that was like it was like that fast. We were married in July the next year. Okay, so. so dated courtship, I was about a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you have, when you see a back of a head like that, Christian, you oh, gotta go. You know, like, you can't oh stall. <laughs> so coming into this relationship, what was that like for you? Also, so what was you, your background growing up? God? Uh, LDS. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, you know, I was uh, a, a bishop's kid and... Um, mm. And my grandpa had a little bit of famous, he was a professor down at BYU and wrote a mm. lot of books and spe- and gave a lot of speeches. And so when people would hear my maiden name, they're like, oh. And so I think mm. I kicked against that a little bit. I rebelled yeah. a little bit. I mean, in the scheme of things, it was like nothing. But in my family, it was the, I was the black sheep, you know. <laughs> so, so we have quite a few rebels who have been on this podcast. So myself were, you were in a rated R movie. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. That's, yes. what the, that's what it was. Yes, exactly. I drank Diet Coke. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> but, um, 
But I, I but the, I, for, yeah. for real, I'm asking in earnest, like, wh- what did that look like for you? So like you being a rebel, but not really. I mean, a rebel in my family, but really, I wasn't. I had a good relationship with my father. I had some meaning ex- your earthly father, or my the guy father upstairs? in heaven, both. both. Okay. And my father in heaven and with God. And um, I had some experiences as a teen that just never left me that just always carried me through. I just knew he was always there for me. I was definitely his daughter. He was the kind and gentle father that I always needed. Mm. So awesome. Even so, if I was a rebel. <laughs> so, so were Christian, were you in the uh, getting married is going to solve this, these oh, yeah. sexual issues for me? Oh yeah. Hook, line and sinker. Oh yeah. I was, I was totally all in. I was, I was thinking that, okay, as soon as I get married, won't have these problems ever again. Yeah. And I guess, I, I guess a lot of people suffer from that thought that. Yeah. We like we joke about it on laugh yeah. about it on here all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's, but, it's just cause it's common, right? It's common, particularly from a LDS culture background where it's like no sex. It's like, okay, well if you turn the sex faucet on, then maybe I won't need this stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So exactly. See the logic there. Right. So any disclosure of sexual behavior before you guys got married? Yes. Okay, tell us yes. what that looked like. He told he had he told me that he had viewed pornography and other things that he had done. Oh, well, how much do you want to go into? But so I knew all those things. Other I sexual like with behavior girls, with other girls, uh-huh, right. other girls okay. before. And um I I just never knew how bad it was. I just thought, oh, well, because I mean, I had viewed pornography. So for me, I was just like, okay, well, I've seen it too. But I didn't think it was like a needed thing that he, you know, something he yeah, needed or was compulsively, compulsively looking, looking at. Exactly. at. For me, it was more like, oh, this, this is naughty. This is, cu- I'm curious. Let's, you know, but for me, it was more like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming. So were you honest with her when you got married about everything that had happened or was it like a half truth? I think it was more like a, like probably a half truth. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I kind of downplayed the pornography issue, you know, that, that I had looked at it, you know, that I had indulged in it, but I don't think she ever caught on to the whole, whole truth. So, right. So the term we use is spotlighting, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. share enough kind of make this situation work exactly the whole story i'm out yeah yeah he was really good at that <laughs> as ma- as many of us are karen yeah. as many of us are yeah so. i was very good at it so we get married mm-hmm. yep. it's all good yeah we get married and uh geez About probably two or three years two or three years i started you know kind of so back- you were completely sober for a couple of years I would, I would say, yeah, I would say, I, you know, we Karen's were Karen's giving them the like, yeah, <laughs> well, see, you know, it's 2000. We, she's the like, yeah, we not can. not really like there. It's not like he was out buying magazines or something, but yeah, you know, I don't know if, yeah. yeah. We, we don't, it doesn't, we don't have to have some decisive judgment. Right. 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 But I, I would curiosity. say pretty, I would say pretty sober. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually the truth. And and but there there after like a year or two back then, as uh, Karen mentioned, that there was not, you know, Internet was just barely coming on. And so yeah. had you had a smartphone, you might have been in a different I, yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I actually went and bought some magazines. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. I did. Did I know this? 
my sometimes my mind lets me forget some stuff so yeah, yeah. that might be one of those yeah you uh yeah i had actually bought uh, bought some magazines and i in our in our uh, apartment i kind of kept them in the back room where it was just kind of like all of our stuff and you know there was times during like family parties i would like disappear and like just go into the back room and just like flip through a page and just you know i just got a quick fix mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of th- things turned out to be i would i would like i would like vanish there for a while and just like kind of be off in my own little world and and try and find you know just an escape and mm-hmm. and and you know not like our not like our marriage has, has been bad or anything it's just Don't piss me off i i just want to disappear yeah, yeah. I, I would just want to get away and just indulge in that addiction. Yeah. yeah. So, Karen, when yeah. when did this, like, you're two, three years into this, mm-hmm. like, so when did you start to, because we often hear women share, like, I knew something was mm-hmm. off. I knew he wasn't okay. I didn't feel like he was all there. For some reason, we couldn't completely connect. Like, we hear it a lot of different ways, but oftentimes there's this intuition that comes in, like, something's going on something's off i think i think i was pretty oblivious and i am really good at denial i'm really really good at denial so Mm -hmm. um but two or three years into um our marriage he admitted that he had been with a girl not like not all the way in affair. Well, he spotlighted what he did with her. And that rocked my world. That was so I had no idea. Meaning you just said <sighs> this emotional thing happened and left out that it got physical. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this, so you came to her. Yes. Somewhere in that two, three years into the marriage. Yes. So why'd you come to her? Guilt. I had, I had, I had a ton of guilt. Mm-hmm. I was racked with guilt and the only way I could, I could get to that point of feeling better is if I told her mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and it was hard telling her that, you know, because I saw the look on her face of total, just broken heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we went and, you know, talked to the Bishop at the time and, you know, um, back then, you know, I, you know, I had admitted to him back in the pager days, back in the pager <laughs> days, I had admitted to him of what I did. And he's like, well, same spotlighted story you told her. I think it was, I think it was all the way with him, but you he, told him everything. I told him everything, but he wanted, uh, Karen to come in and that was a total blow to me because I thought I was just going to share that with him. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you need to tell your wife. Mm-hmm. And I can just remember, I couldn't even look at her in the, in the, you know, look at her because I was so ashamed. Mm-hmm. I, I had just, I was riddled with guilt. And I, I can remember that uh, the bishop at the time, you know, he says, hey, you need to remember, um, you know, basically, I'm just going to kind of give you a, a slap on the wrist. Are you, this is the, you're actually thinking of a different time. What time would that? 
There, so that we so, we often have this experience. That's, that's right. When, that's right. He's when you've combined. been doing when you've been doing recovery on right, it's like which time, well, which bishop was that? So yeah. that's not a big deal. So I think so. This very first time, we did not go to the bishop. Yeah, we didn't do anything, and I was so devastated. But I didn't want to tell yeah. anybody. I didn't want to, to go any further than us. I didn't want it. I, and, and you're thinking this is just an emotional affair. Yeah, it was a, it was a one-time thing. I must be a horrible wife. I'm going to fix it with more sex, which obviously never works. But, you know, I didn't know what else to do. There yeah. wasn't, there so wasn't, your, your you know, own shame's coming exactly. out there. Yeah. I must be doing something wrong, you know, those kinds yeah. of things. And, um, so that happened the first time. Then the next time is the time he's thinking about when we went in to go do temple recommends. Yep. And uh, he went, I went in first or you went in first? I think you went in first. And then I came out and then he went in and he was in there forever. And I'm like, what okay. is going on? And then they brought me in. Right. Yeah. And so how, and. And this was for that same affair and you just told him about the physical part or this is another affair. Another another so another affair and we're. A year down the road, 10 years down the road. This is probably five years. Five years. Okay. So you've kind of gone back into denial, Karen. Uh And, and, and when you look back on this time now, are you like, I was in denial. It was so obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I feel uh, like when it, we, this whole thing finally came out, I just told him, I feel so stupid because this isn't the first time. So it's like. How many times does this have to go through before I realize, you know, but yeah. So that, so that, that's when he got like the slap on the wrist kind of a thing. You went to some counseling, therapy, I think, some yeah. counseling. And I think they even recommended me coming in and I said, that's your problem. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going in there. Super We're typical discussing. reaction. Yeah. We're discussing us. And right. they also, I think mentioned ARP. At the time, the church's mm-hmm. 12 step, 12 step. And yep. I was like, um, those are for old perverts. No, we're not doing that either. You know, mm-hmm. I had no conception of what anything was. And I, I'm really, I say good, really good at denial. So I, yeah, I just would rather trudge along in what, whatever we were doing. Yeah. So it was not good. So you're, so <laughs> were you like, Hey, this is. We're in round two of you having an affair. Like, is this like this is a perpetual problem? Like, are you like I no, think this is a pattern, I or you just saw this it, individual I incidences? Saw individual instances, and yeah. I still thought it, I must have something yeah. to do with it. Like, I still thought, and at the time too, we were going through infertility, mm. and so I was taking a lot of fertility drugs, and so I was not a very nice person, and so I'd be like, "Well, I'm I'm an honorary wife. I'm you know I'm a horrible person to be mm. with. So you know it's a lot of that kind of stuff I put on myself." Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And so did you let her just kind of take that weight and yeah, I, and I you was, were good with that. I, during that time I was not supportive. Okay. I was, I was totally, you know, fixed on my addiction. I was during that time I was selfish. Yeah. I was so selfish. Mm-hmm. I only saw me and my addiction and looking for the next fix yeah and so this went on for how many years then so we've been married 20 years in a couple weeks okay and congratulations thank you thank you and it finally ended a year ago yeah okay so and you said that right kind of at the top mm-hmm. of the podcast i yeah. said when, when were you finally like i think i've got a problem you're like a year and a half ago so yeah so i'm assuming height of addiction was around that same time yes yeah 
Yeah. So height of addiction, you kind of told us where you're there. So you're living in total denial land. Mm-hmm. And, and denial implying that your gut was telling you stuff was wrong. Yeah. Life wasn't working yeah, out. Yeah, there's like, there's just always things like he was, he worked two jobs. His weekend job was actually at the temple. And he would a lot of times work graves. And so he's just nodding like, I'm that guy. He, yep, he, I'm would, that need, guy. he would need to go to sleep, you know, so he would go upstairs and go to sleep. But he used air quotes, by the yeah, way. Yeah, because he's talking to people, a lot of girls when he's upstairs. And I'm thinking he's sleeping. I come upstairs and he'd be awake. And I it would always hit me like, well, if you're awake, why don't you just come downstairs? Why are you just lying mm-hmm. up here mm-hmm. by yourself? Why aren't you just coming out with me? But I have, have you ever taken the color code test? <laughs> I'm a white. Mm-hmm. I'm, I used to be teased. I was so white. I was clear. So I'm not a rock the boat. I don't rock, yeah. rock the boat. I don't want to have those hard conversations. I don't like that kind of stuff. Confrontation. Uh, that's not my thing. Conflict uh, avoidant then. Yes, exactly. I'm really good. I'm so good at those things. And so for, I would just kind of just take that like, well, I wish you would hang out with me, but I'm not going to say so because he's working so hard. And at the time yeah. he was in the bishopric, he's working two jobs. I don't want to be the naggy wife and say, come hang out with me. So I would just let it slide. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what was going on upstairs, but you and, know. but and your gut so, telling you maybe otherwise. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. where are you at with your self worth at this point in time? A year and a half ago, um, I before I was actually doing pretty good. Like I don't feel like I was bad. Then when I found out everything, it was gone. Self worth was gone because then I felt. I still felt like it was, there was, I had some, you know, something to do with it. I felt like it was my fault in some way. Sure. As well as, you know, not speaking up beforehand, you know, and I did know a little bit about his pornography and, and um, masturbation and stuff like that. I knew some about that. So I kind of felt like, well, you knew, but I didn't really know. I didn't know how dependent he was on it. Yeah. 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 So Chris, take us there, man. Take us to that that grace moment. So it's a year and a half ago, and something happened that you realized you had a problem. You want me to say it? You, you look like you want me. No, no, <laughs> she can't jump on this one. This is your well, part of the he story didn't to tell. Tell me, I found out. Okay, so there we go. Okay, yeah. So, so it is yours. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, go. So one of the women that he would chat with happened to be one of my sister's ex roommates. <clears throat> And when, and he acted out with, she told some of their other friends and if got back to my sister, my sister, of course, told my other sister, I have six sisters. And I think they, where, where do you fit in the six? <clears throat> I'm the third of eight kids. Okay. So I have one, one brother. And, um, she told another sister and the sister just younger than me, uh, came over to my house um, and I was out of town. He had on just business. gone out of town and she came over to my house. It was conference weekend. So I kind of have a little bit of a, about conference. Yeah. <laughs> I shuddered. Um, it's fine at that conference. Um, and she said, do you think Christian would ever be unfaithful to you? And I was like, <laughs> no, even though I knew he had, Yeah. but I wasn't going to tell her that. Right. <clears throat> and so she said, well, this person told our other sister this has been going on with her for like 12 years. Hmm. Wow. So 
I pick up my phone and I text him and I said, what do you want me to, what do you want to tell me about this person? Um, we've chatted. I said, oh, really? You've chatted. That's news to me. What else? Nothing. Oh, nothing. Really? Nothing else? No. And I go back and I actually kept these texts because I just like to go back and remember who this person was because I want to hug her because her world just fell apart. But, um, I hugged my sister. I told her, thank you. And she left and I called him on the phone and I don't even know what I said. Do you remember what I said? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much like what you've just been saying. It was, it was, it was probably the hardest phone call I've ever had to try and weasel my way out of. Mm -hmm. I, I was doing everything I could to basically lie through that call, mm -hmm. you know, and I had just gotten to my destination for work and all of a sudden, you know, that was on Monday. I think it was on Monday. It was Sunday. It was Sunday. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the rest of the week that I was there for work was just, it, it was the hardest week of work. And, you know, I, basically back, back to her phone call, I was just having the hardest time. I'm like, okay, what, what lie could I tell her that will just kind of brush this over? Make this all go away. Yeah, make this yeah. all go away. And so finally, I I had I had kind of uh, divulged everything to her, you know, over a space of time. Not quite. Yet. Well, yeah. He told me most things. Most of the stuff that mm -hmm. I did with this with this person, and uh, you know that was hard. And then, I, where do you want to take it from here? <laughs> so she, kept, she's a storyteller. So then, so finally, that that hit me. So I was like, okay, what else? He'd be like, there's nothing else. There is something else. No, there's nothing else. You did more with her. No, that's it. So that that went back and forth all week. And he was gone until Friday. And it was actually a good thing he was gone because I probably would have ripped his face off or something. I don't know. I, he would not have been healthy. And um, finally, she, this girl, sent an email to my friend telling some of the stuff they had done. Because this friend was upset that she had lost a friendship with, you know, my sister and this other friend about stuff they'd done. And I'm like, anyway, it's... Um, so you're not the only woman in denial. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, so I knew there was more. So I kept asking him, what else is there? Yeah. And I think after I finally said, I know you did this, then he admitted it. But I'm, there's more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, so who else? And he said, no one. And I said, oh, okay, no one. And I believed him this much. I think that was the part of me that wanted... Her fingers are very yes, close together very close. for our listening audience. Yes, yeah, sorry, I forget. You can't see me. Um, I really wanted to believe him, but I didn't believe him. So that was like, you know, conference weekend. So the first weekend of April. Yeah. And... Um, that whole month just really sucked. 2019. 2019. Yep. And this was a hard month because he would go out of town for work. He was out of town from Sunday to Friday. Mm -hmm. He worked at the temple on Saturday. In the bishop, He was in the bishopric at the time, so he'd go to church meetings on Sunday, and then he flew out that Sunday afternoon. So he was like not home mm. at all. And in the meantime, I had my two sisters and my friend talking to me about this because they knew. Yeah. And because I know people are going to be curious, mm -hmm. anything happen 
with the fertility treatments. Oh, yes. Yes. We have two beautiful boys. Oh, cool. Yes. So those those did work. <laughs> Thank you to science. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, th- so, so it was really hard. And my sisters and my friend, um, who I thought would really be my... My confidants, I want to say, kind of started telling me what I should do. Yeah. And they thought, they kept talking, telling me, why haven't, why haven't you gone to the bishop yet? Why haven't you done this yet? Why hasn't he, why is he still at the temple? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, the whole whole month of April, first of all, I just found out about it. And the whole month of April, he's not there. So it's like, there's not even time for us to like discuss what's going on. Yeah, you're still trying to process it I'm yourself. Still, yeah. Like, is it, which, P.S., um, the spouses don't need advice. Right. right. They Thank just you. need love. Yes. Her, yes. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, I know they meant well, because yeah. sisters mean well. But Sure. Um, they were just telling me, you know, you need to go to state president. He needs to go to state president. Somebody needs to go to state president. And I'm like, I, I know. We're, and I said, we're taking care of it. That wasn't good enough. So they kind of, because of that, they kind of pushed, I, they pushed me away. Yeah. And um, also I found out that my sister had known since September about it and hadn't told me. Mm. So there's a whole lot of like some betrayal, betrayal there there too. And I know she didn't mean to, but I'm dealing with that and I'm dealing with him. And so I'm dealing with the end of our world because... We're yeah. so wrapped up in things of our church, you know, like being the bishopric. That's a big calling, you know, working at the temple. That was huge for us. And that was all going to come to an end. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, washing his Sunday shirts one time and just like sobbing into a heat because I was so mad at him. But like... I was so afraid, too, and I didn't want our world to end, even though I knew it had to end. So... A lot of loss. Yeah, a whole lot of loss. And um, April 28th, I think, rolled around, and it was ward conference. And, you know, sustain our leaders of our ward when they do ward conference. And I sustained him and I'm sitting on our pew sobbing. And afterwards, I kind of had like an anxiety attack in the hall of the church, which is awesome. That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do it. Do it in public. That's what I always say. (laughs) So I'm standing in the hall and he walks up to me. I collapse in his arms and I'm sobbing. People are walking by. Patting me on their shoulder. Yeah, they're like, we're not sure (laughs) what to do with this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just had a breakdown. Because at that point, you know, I had, I had, you know, the the forces tell me what I should be doing. I didn't know what I even wanted to be doing. It was like all these things at once. And he finally went to the state president that afternoon. That afternoon, I went and talked to the state president. And uh, so what's going on for you in this process? We've heard what's going on for her. So busted, right? You know, you're busted and you're traveling for work. You're sitting with this for like several weeks. Yeah. 
that was hard. That was hard. Uh, you know, I, I didn't eat very well that time. Obviously now as I, <laughs> my Star Wars shirt is kind of like bulging at the, you know, <laughs> midsection, midsection. And, but I, I got caught and my whole world had stopped, you know, because I had, I had these things that I, that I could go to in times of need, you know, like times of stress. I could, I could talk to people. I could go see people. I could, I could look at the women you're acting out with the women I was acting out with. I could go see them. You know, I could, I could have that release and that all came to a crashing end. And so still I was, I was, I I don't think at that time I was very, I, I wasn't supportive really to her and I still was very selfish and so that that uh, right. that Sunday, right before you left, you showed me the letter. Your list. Oh yeah. Well, tell us that now. He. You had a letter. He well, he had a list uh-huh. of all the women he'd acted out with and what he'd done, and about his time frame. Oh, uh huh. And he says, "I saw I saw he was upstairs, so I went upstairs and I said, what's wrong?'" And he said, look on the look on the bed. So I look on the bed and there's his list. Hmm. So and, th- now and that, of this one person. That's a complete list. Yeah. So this isn't spotlighting well, anymore. Well, and it the, was almost a complete list. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. It, it listed all the people. And this was that during been that. Talking to. This is right after. This, this is right after my my breakdown, breakdown at okay. church okay. and things like that. Yep. Okay. So this is you're seeing this the same Sunday you're going to the stake president. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Just you put together the list to take it to the stake president. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I see this list, and on this list are women I knew. So that yeah. was just another blow, um, because even though he's my husband, these were my friends. Right. It's like betrayal both ways. Yeah. yeah. Betrayal again. So yeah, he shows me this list and I think I let you have it again <laughs> yeah. a few yeah. times. Yep. And um, you tell them what you want to tell them. What happened. I, uh, I think at that point I felt so ashamed that um, I had a I had a loaded gun under the bed and uh, I wanted to end it I wanted to be done I couldn't take it anymore well because you'd spend the last month having the way you'd compartmentalized in denial be totally broken yeah. And actually had to sit with what's been going on. And, uh, I, you know, I finally had to face what, what reality was. And, uh, you know, I can remember I, you know, I, you know, I grabbed the keys out of my pocket, you know, the gun case. And, uh, I said, you know, I said, Hey, you know, can you move? And, you know, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I can't do it. I want to end it. I want to, I want to kill myself. And, uh, and she said to me, she goes, no, you're not. 
I want you to be the man that I know you can be and be the, be the father for those kids downstairs. And, uh, I think that was a turning point at that time that I started realizing what, you know, that I, that I wanted to get rid of this stuff. I wanted to get rid of, of the pain. I wanted to get out of the, out of the, the darkness of pornography the, for the last 30 plus years. I wanted to be free from that. But I can't believe I almost thought that suicide was the way out. It's never the way out. And uh, so do you want me to tell about how I went to the state president? Well, yeah, we I, do. I took, <laughs> I took the gun was in a case. I took the case. I hid the case. Good I hid call. the key. Uh, Good call. Yeah, it was that was no longer an option. So you go. To, and, so you go to the yeah. state president. So you go to state president, and I went to. Uh, my sister was giving birth to a baby, so he went there, and I went there. So that's where we were. And um, you know, I basically. As anyone knows, when you got to confess, you know, you just lay it out on the line. And, uh, and you know, I think it was, I think it was kind of a, a shock to the stake president. Probably, yeah. That he, he was like, you did what? And, and uh, I started sobbing. And, uh, you know, you know, I can remember asking him. When I started just like letting it all hang out, I said, I said, President, at what time does the atonement start working for me? He goes, the minute you stepped in this room and started confessing. And the weirdest, you know, at at a strange moment, I just thought to myself, I'm like, the atonement is working for the first time in my life. I could feel... I started coming unto Christ. I started coming back. And I felt his loving arms in the midst of the worst possible time in my entire life. Where, A, I just broken every single covenant that I had made. I had hurt my wife's life. I wanted to end my life. But at the very, but after all this, there was still light at the end of the tunnel and I could see it and it felt great that I loved it. it. Great for that, you know, church leader to not like just shame or whatever and just be like, yep, this is where it turns around. Yeah. You made the right move to give you that assurance and that hope in that moment. Sounds like it was a, a powerful and meaningful moment for you yeah, too. It was. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, we had met for, I don't know, you know, maybe every other week there for a while. And, you know, there was times where I would still come back home and I would say, all right, there's more, you know, basically, you know, it didn't all happen at one time where I just kind of told her everything I had basically, there was like maybe two or three, just two, maybe two, two times of just 
letting it all out. And this is like a common experience. The addict is like, did I get it all out? Is that yeah. true? Right. And as the spouse, it was like, I, I can tell you exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so fast forward a little bit to my court. If that's if that's okay to talk well, about a membership, yeah. Well, I would, I would even go council. back, like so. Twenty eighth of April, ward conference. He's up there on the stand. He's sustained. Next week, he's out. And that it was yeah, the, a, the very, cultural, and shame. it was very yeah. public because he told the stake president. He didn't tell our bishop, so our bishop didn't know until I guess later that that Sunday, Sunday. night. Yeah. And so we didn't know Christian wasn't sitting on the stand that next Sunday. It was all very obvious that something had gone on. And so it wasn't, so not only was there all that, but then it was all very public. Right. So I even had um, someone from the ward come up to me afterwards and say, what's going on? Sure. (laughs) Bless her heart. Oh, nothing, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of, in our ward, it was kind of a, Basically, when it all happened, I sat on the front seat of the you know, over on the front row of of the front row, and basically, I could feel three hundred plus eyeballs on the back of my neck. Yeah, and it was hard. It it was. I wanted to give up again. I wanted to give up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and what we know in in truth, right, is right. There, there probably wasn't 300 <laughs> eyeballs on you. It's probably more like 10. 10. Well, maybe, yeah. And a bunch of people are too well, busy my, with their kids yeah. and whatever. Right, whatever. In, but yeah. that shame looms very big, oh, right? Yeah. The shame of this experience is very big. So you had your membership council. Yeah. What came out of that? And how, like, how was that experience? Well, um, back then, before things changed, I, 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 am, I am excommunicated. Okay, so, ex- so membership what? withdrawn would withdrawn. be the term they use now. So that... That's the church part. Tell us like the recovery. Like, so, so what have you done in this last year as far as like recovery? What's been the most healing? Um, Give us the gold. Well, so right now I am, I am working on doing the ARP. I, I, I go mm-hmm. to those. I, what, for the last probably 13, 14 months, I've been well, going to those. It, yeah. Since everything. And yep. I had those, those have been a godsend. Mm-hmm. They are amazing. And mm-hmm. I, if anyone is listening and has hesitation about that, believe me that it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. It mm-hmm. gives me so much strength. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have like a, a home base meeting, like one that you go to every week that's kind of home base for you? Did it take you a little while to find that? Uh, when I, when I started, um, I, I was kind of jumping around from, you know, meeting to meeting, you know, around my house and it wasn't until probably the third or fourth month that I found where I wanted to be. Yeah. And so, you know, now with COVID that we don't meet in person right now, we do the, uh, the phone in. Right. And, you know, there's about five or six of us that still kind of get together. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it is it is amazing how that can strengthen your testimony and, and build you up and help give you those help give you that ammunition, so to speak, mm-hmm. to fight, you know, the adversary and his his doubts that he casts upon you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's where we're currently working the 12 steps as we speak, me and Mr. Will Height here. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So. 
I'm guessing, so you started going to 12 step right away. It sounds like or ARP mm-hmm. meetings right away. Um, what other resources have really helped you and, and really turned this around for you? I have found that, you know, that I, that I read my scriptures every day. Mm-hmm. I pray every day. I, 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 I have found that I have kind of taken my, taken myself out of the world, so to speak, that I can't, that I have to have like constant good thoughts because sin doesn't happen like in an instant, you know, for me, it, you know, if I want to sin, I'll think about it. I'll think about how, how I can do it without getting caught. Right. Preoccupy about it. And so I have, I have taken myself out of the world. I try to, I, I, I try to do whatever I can that would keep Christ in my heart every minute of the day. Now I'm not perfect, but I do what I can. So, you know, I asked you earlier about, you know, who was God to you then? Tell me about God now. He is everything to me. He is everything. I will never, I will never kick my covenants to the side ever again. Once I get them back, they are mine forever. And I will never, ever, ever betray God again. Because that was the worst time of my life. You want to talk about freedom? Make yourself right with the Lord. That's freedom. And that's love. So, Karen, how about for you? Mm-hmm. When you started in this process, you were like, I ain't going to no therapist. Right. I ain't got to be at no meeting. <laughs> this is not my problem. <laughs> so is that still your stance? Are you no. still in denial? Um, I No. Um, so when this all hit the fan, finally, I finally realized, oh, I can't be a doormat anymore. I can't yeah. just let. He was really good at. Gaslighting. Yes, gaslighting and manipulating me. And so I was, he was really good at um, making situations seem normal in a marriage when they, if now looking at it, you're like, what the hell were you thinking? Really? Yeah. But if he would ever, he would bring up something he'd want to try or a fantasy he wanted to think about or talk about. Oh, I'd say, no, 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 no. That's too far for me. All right. All right. So then he might bring it up again a few months later and and then make me comfortable with things, you know? And so he was so good at that, that he kind of brought me along this process a little bit. And so when I found out all these other things that had happened, I just knew the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, know, all of that is gone because we can't have that in our marriage because that feeds the addiction. Some like, sexual boundaries. Exactly. Sounds like. Exactly. Making some boundaries. You know, have any of those kinds of things. And so I, I, I was terrified to go to like a, a spouse. A meeting. Meeting. Yes. Uh-huh. And in fact, the first one I went to, I sat in the parking lot and cried <laughs> and I was just pissed. I was pissed that I had to be there. I was pissed that he had put this in the, us in this situation. I didn't want to go into this meeting. I didn't want to talk to people. And so I'm talking to my father and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go in there and this better be good. So I walk in there and it's the facilitator and the missionaries. And I'm like, son of a, 
That's it. You know, I'm expecting <laughs> yeah. a room full of women and we yeah. can say, oh, our husbands, they all suck. Not yeah. right, but, you know, we love them. But, um, and it wasn't like that. So I got home and I was kind of like, all right, Heavenly Father, what, you know who I am. You know what I, where I'm comfortable at. You know that things like that, those kinds of meetings, give me the most anxiety it's just off the charts. I'm not good in those kind of situations. Lead me somewhere. And it's, I kind of told you guys before, like how I found your podcast. Um, I'm in the Do you young, share with the class? Yes. I, I was, I'm in the young women's presidency and our president said, listen to this really good podcast uh, from leading saints when you're talking to Hank Smith. Listen, listen to this because he talks about how you can tell good stories and bring the girls in. And I'm like, okay. So I listen to that. And so we talk about it. And I'm like, I wonder else what this guy has on this podcast. So I start scrolling through. And this is after I'd already known everything. So this right. is like June-ish, July-ish. And um, he'd already been, you know, um, excommunicated and stuff like that. So I was searching for some things, but I just didn't know quite where to go. And so then I found Kristen Autumn's story on Leading Saints. I was like, oh, oh. we love Kristen Autumn. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, other people, they have such messed up marriages like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're not the only ones because I really felt... Like, you know, it's not true, but I really felt like we were the only ones. I'm like, we're the only ones who have been going through this for 20 years, you know, or whatever. And so then that led me to, then he did his summit, his pornography summit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when I heard your story. Mm -hmm. So then I heard your story and then you talked about your podcast and I found this podcast. And it made all the difference for me because I started listening to yours and I listened to the Next Step podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Between those two podcasts, and then we went to a general addiction meeting together. We did. Oh, cool. It opened my eyes. Like, I finally felt like sympathy. Like, I could get on, like, I'm not perfect either, but I finally understood that. Empathy. (laughs) Empathy, thank you. That it was like, oh my gosh, these people are actually willing to admit what they struggle with and talk about it. Because that's really hard. And so it really helped me heal with the process of like realizing that it's not a bunch of perverted old men yeah. in, these, in these meetings and stuff. And yeah. so, uh, I read, I've read some books, you know, things, things of that nature. Heavenly fathers just kind of like led me step by step. What, what I've been looking for, what I'm yeah. needing at the time. Yeah. And so I just keep my eyes, my, like my heart open to where I go next. Yeah. What I need next. And I guess we're, we're going to jump into a lot of where, where you go next in the bonus content. Okay. We want to get deeper into where you're going. Okay. But I, we, I think we want to end the episode here by, by asking you the same question that James asked you, Christian was, um, you feel like you had a good relationship with God. You lived in a pile of denial for a lot of years, which that's your words, right? I'm not. Yes. Oh no, no. If anyone thinks I'm putting something in your mouth, I'm not. It's true. Um, so like, where are you with God now? And is it any different than where you were? It's it's even better. It's so much better because I'm being real. Before my relationship with God was more like, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to come to you when things are good and everything's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll hash things out. And when this went happened, uh, it's not like I lost my faith in God, but it was more like, a, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe you let this happen to me almost. I, I blamed God, but I didn't, 
hate him, but I we had a lot of not nice conversations in the car to work. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of hashing it out with God. Um, I think one time he said, oh, I don't, I, when I told him I would pray in the car on the way to work, he said, oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. And I said, no, you don't, because I swear a lot. <laughs> and I say not nice things about you in the, <laughs> when I'm driving in the car. It's hard to explain, but I was angry and bitter, and I still can be angry and bitter, but I was really angry and bitter. I had some just some experiences that just let me know he was there. That really helped me get through it. I, Before you had your court, I was going through some stuff in the garage, and I found my wedding dress. And I picked up that wedding dress, and it felt like it was on fire. It was actually my temple dress, because that's what you get married in. And I run into the house. I was by myself, and I drop to my knees, and I'm like in a puddle, <laughs> sobbing at the thought of like losing our temple marriage. Those covenants, and the um, if he got excommunicated, and I'm just sobbing to Heavenly Father, and I literally feel His arms around me, and I just like can't deny that happened to me. So that really carried me through. That's not the first time that's happened for me. And so to say my my relationship's always been good, but it's even better because I feel like I can come to him with the ugly stuff. And I don't have to be like the good daughter all the time. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like that, you know. Yeah. That's awesome. So one thing that we do ask um, all of our listeners is if Because they, music is awesome. Yeah, it, it is. Good. Um, is if they have a song that um, just really resonates with them now or at, or at the point of recovery or something like that. Is there, or is there a song that's really powerful and meaningful for you uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? We do have a song. And um, for me, Be Still My Soul, my life has been in, in, in denial and shame and, and lies for the last 30 plus years and a song that can instantly calm your soul is everything to me. Mm-hmm. Just like Karen's everything to me. I don't know where I'd be without her. And this song brings me right there where I need to be because without her, I'd be lost. That's awesome. So, Be Still My Soul mm-hmm. by Jill Chapman. Mm-hmm. Christian, Karen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your hearts and your story with us. Um, it's amazing. You know, I've been touched, um, you know, to just, man, the courage you guys have and what you've been through and, and your testimony now um, can truly feel your love for the Savior and and his love for you as well. Um, to our outsiders, we love you. Thank Freaking you. love you. <laughs> we'll have some, we'll see you in the bonus content here. And, uh, you know, to all our listeners, thank you. Um, follow us at, on social media at Unashamed and Afraid, at Instagram, Facebook, 
Um, if you want to become an outsider, donate. Go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. Um, and uh, if you need help with recovery, we might have a scholarship for you because right. of the awesome donations we've had from outsiders. So right. go to the webpage, see the available scholarships right now. Yeah. Hop on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Uh, give us five stars. And with that, remain unashamed and unafraid. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. With patience bear thy cross of grief or pain leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful shall be 